following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. I like the nightlife. I like to party on the disco. No, no, none of that here. None of that here. No, we can't. We're all about rock and roll, baby. Are we? I thought we were about disco. We're all about rock and roll now. Disco is dead, daddy. Oh, it is dead. It is is super dead. It is. Baseball killed it. Yes. Yes, the Chicago White Sox helped kill Disco and the second game of their doubleheader. But <laughs> we'll get more as we get into, I think one of one of the most famous promotions in MLB oh, yeah. history uh, is the Disco Demolition Night at Comiskey Park in 1979. And yes, it- this is this is one of those topics where when Andrew, he's Andrew, I'm Johnny. Uh, when oh we yeah. Were- <laughs> we Bring do a sports it. history podcast together yeah. yeah uh thank you for listening this is one of those topics that immediately came to mind when i was like yeah i want to jump into the more wild and weird and, oh. and strange aspect of sports too and this is one of the topics near the top of my list the disco demolition night now andrew i've been to plenty of minor league games for my local hickory crawl dads really really love them but they've not done anything. Um, the only thing they blow up is fireworks on the Fourth of July, and I, and it's probably because of this. I yeah. know, I know. There's been many times that baseball has had many different promotions. I mean, it's yeah, a hundred and I don't know about Beck. I don't think at this point. I think at this point it was just in about ten years of going 162 games. Yes, which, which is you- really funny to me. That uh, NBA basketball's regular season is 82 games, and like there's a growing number of people who are like, We need to shorten that, that's just too many, yeah. and it's 82. And I'm like, I get it, and I kind of agree, but baseball dwarfs that, it's yeah. like double that. Well, I think that's the funny thing about promotions in baseball is you got to how, how do you get somebody to come out to your stadium? Yeah, at least on like a, on like a Tuesday. Unpar- Right. Yeah. It's something that's not would normally be a special occasion. How how do you do it? How do you you know, you gotta figure out these guys are making tons of money. Some guys are upward to a hundred or to thirty million dollars a year, sometimes yeah. more. So eighty one games, you gotta figure out how am I gonna get people to come to our stadium for yes. eighty one games. Now I, I will say on the um, on the much, how do I describe this show? That when HBO Max put out that Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers show, that they it was a fictionalized version of the real history of it. If that makes any sense? Uh, with really good acting, by the way. Uh, but I famously said like the first three episodes, there was more 
uh, boobs than basketball, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy both, but uh, it's, it was just funny. But one of the things I did appreciate is that they really dived into the fact that uh, this, one of the things that really helped bring in the Showtime era wasn't just the basketball players. It was all the uh, courtside stuff that he would, uh, that the buses would do. Uh, they would, you know, they kind of changed it. They were kind of the first in basketball to sort of turn, like have like a real uh, fun halftime show that they brought in the Laker girls you know, all this stuff, they turn it into a whole event. It wasn't just the game. Uh, but baseball has always kind of had this history of, you know, we got to we gotta bring people out. And I think it's I think it's also really important to discuss, obviously, music before we really dive into this night, Andrew. Yeah, I think it's very important to talk about the disco craze. Yes. Now, uh, I can gratefully say, that neither of us were alive for it. We weren't born yet. This is one of the things that we're not old enough to know. <laughs> no, no, no. I am aware of disco music. Yes, same because here. Because of uh, my mother, and, but... And yeah. I think there's some bands that just kind of, you know, e- eclipse their genre, like ABBA, just throwing that one out there. It's first yeah. In my head. You know what I mean? Like, there's some I, bands that are just so big, it doesn't matter what kind of music they were doing or, or, that, or that they do. What is it? The BGs that are still stuff yeah. that people will still take inspiration or listen to today. BGs, yeah. uh, Gloria Gaynor with the "I Will Survive." That's still a song yeah. that you hear hear constantly. But for the most part, disco was just. I think it was the party music of its time. It Go was with disco yes. was like our generation's rave, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and there's always been a an era in history in which a certain genre of music kind of comes up and sort of takes hold. Right. I mean, disco grunge era in the nineties country music really kind of hits at some point. Uh, so all your genres sort of do. I would say like in the early two thousands would be your new metal bands going up against your uh, pop boy bands type stuff. Right. Like it's, you get all this stuff and I find it all really fascinating. I'm, I love music uh, and my early 20s and i'll get more into this when we get into this thing i was very much a music snob i've thankfully grown out of that but like if something didn't fit what i what i personally felt was what was art or music or whatever i was very snobbish about it oh i think it has a lot to inform here with this uh what happens at this show so you're (laughs) like that when pat oswald talks about himself at like 20 and yes i related a lot to that yeah nickelback only does it for yes women and money and it's like yep why yep. would you not want to do it for just women? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I get into it, if you think about it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it, I was very much like that. But let's get into this this part first. Uh, team disco or team rock and roll, Andrew? I'm obviously team rock and roll. I, I that, That's been my bread and butter. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I've jammed out to disco quite a bit. But I'm, I mean, I like it. I'm, I'm not against it. What? Good old rock and roll. I think it's just one of those music genres that just stand the test of time. You tweak it, you make it different, but it's still the same at the heart of it. So you really can't go against it. Yeah, rock and roll has the benefit of that it can evolve. Uh, Disco, I think it kind of pigeonholes itself. I'm sure there's a little bit of evolution it can have, but overall, you got to have that certain sound to it. You got to have a beat that people can dance to. And it was a whole, it was literally a whole scene in the seventies was this disco. I mean, it, 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 it informed on everything from uh, like who you partied with to what yeah. you dressed like. I remember 
I distinctly remember, I think it was, what's the movie called? The Son of Sam. And it's obviously about the Son of Sam. Or the Summer of 77 or something like that. And John Leguizamo's in it. Yeah. And him and his wife have a friend that's getting into the punk scene. So they yeah. they stop off at GB or CBGB's. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going in there. Like, whenever somebody mentions, like, disco and you can't, like, blend people, I think yeah. it's the part where he's like, yeah, I'm not going to go in there. Let's go check out Studio 54. And, yeah. And do yeah. and do that instead of go, you know, instead of support your friend and look awkward in this place because you're looking like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, <laughs> which is another thing that really, I think, played on the whole disco oh, yeah. as well. Well, when I, when I think disco, I automatically think to the movie Airplane. <laughs> There's a whole great scene about uh, that involves disco dancing that I absolutely adore. Uh, but yeah, is uh, go check out our other our other podcast where we talk about the movie Airplane, a Nostalgia Funhouse. Go check it out, please. But yeah, it's disco was. We can't stress enough how huge this genre of music was at this time. There were so many radio stations that played purely disco music. Uh, there were literally, like Andrew was alluding to, clubs that popped up just because of disco music that people would go to because it was a scene, uh, and it was good to be seen there, and you had to have a certain look and all this stuff. Uh, there was a lot there. But you also got to remember, rock and roll had been already been around during this, and... A lot of, and this happens anytime a certain genre gets big, is that there's this competing genre that feels like, hey, we're we're better than this. You know, why aren't we getting this recognition? And that's what's happened here. The rock and roll people are kind of feeling like, what is this disco stuff? It's awful. I really would compare this to early two thousands, where the boy bands like your In Sync and your Backstreet Boys and you know Britney Spears, all that type of pop music is blowing up the charts. But then you got like uh, your new metal bands, like uh, you know, Stained is the one I always yeah. think of because I was a I was a big Stained kid. Uh, uh, your bands like that, uh, you know, uh, were like you know we're we're just as we're better than this stuff. Or know? like uh, even though kind of like a clash of like what's hip to not is like in the eighties when you got like Poison and stuff like that. But then you got Metallica coming on the yes. scene. People yes. are like, this is real metal. See, this is what always happens. Poison yeah, it always happens. Real metal. Like, You're just like grunge was band. an answer to, you know, Nirvana kind of come out of nowhere and uh, really put grunge on the scene when at that time, that wasn't the kind of music that was big. So you just need something to want to stand out. It's a really weird. I think music is also very weird in that. Uh, and I'm guilty of this too, so I'm not calling anybody out other than myself. But uh, where like you, you kind of latch on to either a band or a certain type of music, and you're like, "That's mine. That's mine." And I want more people to love it. But then when people love it, you're like, "Well, I was the first one to love it before you loved it." Yeah, I'm different. You know? <laughs> that's so much with music. I know ne- I never did that. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I do it with sports. I do. Well, it, I mean, I think it's the. I think it's I, anything. I do. If I'm gonna pick one, I'm. I do it with sports. Like when yeah. somebody's like. I know I, I, I don't like the Bills, but then I don't like a lot of new Bills fans because I feel like yeah. it's a party and they're like, yeah, yeah, the Bills all the way, and it's like name like five players that used to play in the nineties, and they're like, I, I do the same thing okay. without even I do it without even meaning to. Yeah. I have a I have a, a my cousin who is I'm older than her, but she's not too far behind me. But she has a kid, and he just graduated high school. Just to give you an idea how old he is. But he's a big Charlotte Hornets fan too, like I am. And he commented on an Instagram post something about uh, how 
uh, man, we're just like the Hornets just aren't very good. And I had to stop myself from responding to, I've been with them not being good since the 90s, since they were literally formed. <laughs> I figured you were going to say you're going to answer, when were they good? Yes. <laughs> was, no yes. no offense, because they were they were. They were up and coming, but 92 93 like... was our peak, I believe. Uh, Lonzo Morning hitting that game winning shot was probably the best thing we've this ever done. Me being a sports basketball snob with my Celtics, hmm, <laughs> when were you ever good? As yes. I hold all my championships in my hand, as, as a yeah. fan that did not win any myself, but <laughs> and I could just say we made the playoffs at one time. <laughs> we were in the play in tournament last year. Yeah, take that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's just kind of setting the scene here. Disco is huge, uh, but I also kind of think it's been huge for a while here. Yes. So you got this underwhelming uh, uh, entity kind of coming from underneath. Then that's the fans of rock and roll who are getting really sick and tired of this disco music. Well, I think too, this is like way before social media. So yeah, way, way, way. So radio was the key. And in, in this uh, disc jockey, it's so weird to say disc jockey because I know the term. I, kinda, I miss them. Don't you miss them? <laughs> yeah. I miss the VJs and the DJs. Yeah. Um, but this, we'll say DJ, this DJ, Steve Dahl, is like leading this charge in Chicago. Yeah. He was fired from one or fired from one radio station because they were like hey we're just gonna play disco and he's like no man rock and roll kind of like what we were saying yeah so he goes over to what is it the loop w l u p the loop and he starts his crusade against disco he pretends like he blows up disco records he scratches them and everything else so yeah and and this is during the time where djs were were major like they're getting bigger and bigger this is your era of like right before howard stern kind of gets there and gets big uh, so this is like just that era leading up to the howard sterns and the opie and anthony's and all of them so he's kind of like it's 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 when your djs are sort of the personalities of your radio station and they could literally get so big that they would bring listeners in it was more than just the music. It was the whole thing. It was the music and the DJ that people were like, yeah, this is this is for me. I still miss going to school, listening to the radio. And what you said, oh, this, uh, throughout Western New York, just to, if you didn't grow up in this area, to put into context how powerful these people were and how great radio was, is there was a contest to see which school that could like collect the most pennies or something throughout all of Western New York. So it was like a badge of honor if they named your school in like the top 10. Yeah. And it would go to like charity. I still remember that. Shout out to Kiss 98.5. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's every area of the country has, or I mean, they still do, but they're obviously there's not near as what they used to be, but have a very famous radio station uh, that they will listen to. Mine was uh, 105.7 The Link, I think is what it was called, something like that. Well, they're still around, but they're not what like they used the to be. I like that. Yeah, yeah, the link, like, like the Zelda. Link. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had, there's a couple radio stations on it that I really like listening to as I was painting furniture back in the day. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's. <laughs> you would have to listen to radio if you're painting furniture. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing, too. You know, uh, I have the reason, one of the main reasons that I miss DJs is they're the reason that I really, really felt that I was meant for doing. Uh, 
entertaining people on the radio. Like I just got into it and it just really clicked with me, especially ones that had a sense of humor or they would have a comedian on every once in a while. And I'd be like, this is, uh, this is really clicking some bells and some buttons for me. And it led to me getting into podcasts because this is what podcasts are now. They're today's version of, of that really. Uh, but we can't stress enough how big these DJs can get. They, uh, if you get a good DJ or a charismatic DJ for your station, Back then, your station is going to be doing well. Oh, yeah. Ad revenue. I mean, they made a whole TV show about radio. radio yes. Should I forget? Give it w- in K- Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. That was a great show. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, that's uh, Frazier. Guess what? Frazier, uh, yeah. what was his job? He, he was, was a, he had a radio show. And yeah. Wolfman Jack had a cartoon at one point. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the reason why I know who Wolfman Jack is. My <laughs> It's because of the cartoon, and I used to watch it. But <laughs> so they're coming up with this idea of killing off disco. We're gonna kill yeah. off disco. We're gonna have this big night, and obviously, what's the best way to do it is do it in front of a crowd of people. But I'm pretty sure they didn't go to the Cubs in Chicago because the Cubs are like the classy organization, <laughs> and they would have been like, "Oh no, 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 no." Well, I, they at first they had first already had it set up to do at a mall. Yeah, that would have been bad. Yes, that would have been pretty awful. But their thinking was, uh, they 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 were more concerned about the number of people that would show up. They didn't think they would get a lot. Yeah. Was their thinking? Uh, so they were like, "Well, let's do it in a smaller, a small ish." I mean, a mall is still big, but a small ish. It's not as big as a giant baseball stadium. <laughs> uh, so let's do it in a venue like that where we're fairly certain we can get enough people in the background so it doesn't look pathetic when we do this. Which I think is anytime you put on anybody puts on any sort of event, I don't care how big or small a set event is, that's one of your concerns, right? Like, are we going to get enough people where we don't feel pathetic for doing this? That's funny because I was listening to Tales or watching Tales from the Territories, and they were talking about how they pretty much put on shows in a bowling alley. Yeah. So there's only so much seating in there, but there was bleachers they can roll in and out. So the advance tickets would sell, but if none of the bleachers would sell, they would roll them away. To make it so on TV, it would make it look like it was constantly sold out. Yeah, even though it wasn't. Yes, so, I mean uh, uh, wrestling has a lot of tricks like that. The if they don't sell out, they'll have a they have a thing called the hard camera, and that's where the oh. camera, the main camera's painted uh, pointed toward the ring. So they'll put like they'll move people in the crowd all over to that side, so it looks sold out. I mean, there's just little tricks you can do. But uh, you know, this is back. This is '79, and. They're wanting to put on this event, so they they're getting ready to do this in a mall. But at the same time, a certain baseball team uh, called the White Sox, and I'm blanking on the name. Who was the main guy? Uh, the White Tar- Sox. Yeah. Okay. It's it's interesting because I could see why the White Sox did this. Like if you, if you, well, they had a, they have a history of the the owner does. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The owner has a history of trying to do while out there events at this oh, point yeah. he i think he brought in a person that was like f- under five foot one time to play in a major league game he did yes yep. and that's so he's bill Vec is very out there he's like you know what whatever will put people in the seats let's do it so yeah so think does- of him as like if uh one of my favorite baseball movies is rookie of the year so just think of like how uh uh that kid 
gets put into major baseball. Like it's something that this owner of the White Sox would have done. He'd be like, yeah, like, give me that kid uh, and have him pitch for me. Yeah, he's he's come up with so many. This is one of the first old time owners that I've ever remember like kind of hearing about and learning about. I mean, there's like Connie Mack and stuff like that. Yeah. But oh, the guy for the A's, why do I want to say it? it's not? Well, Walter O'Malley was the Dodgers. I can't. The guy from the A's is escaping me all of a sudden. My head's getting too good about older years. But yeah, he was he was a guy that was like, he was the Rick and Morty meme. Son of a bitch. I'm in. Yeah. No yes. matter no matter what, if he yeah. thought he could put butts in the seats, which ultimately baseball is a business, as we learn, sports. Think and- think Netflix like three years ago where they gave everybody a show. Yes. I mean, sure, they'd cancel after one season. But if you came up with an idea, they're like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you So they come up with Disco Demolition Night. It's going to be on a double header and it's going to be in between the first and the second game. They yeah, so they, they reach out to uh, that DJ and they're like, hey, because he was he was big during this time. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, let's we got this idea. Uh, why don't you do the death of disco at our stadium? Uh, we think we can bring in some people for this. Uh, and there's some really fun names, too, during this. Uh, who's the voice of the White Sox during this time, Andrew? It was Harry Carey. That's right. The very amazing and incredible Harry Carey. Got one of those incredible voices. I mean. It's so iconic that Will Ferrell made a great characterization of it. Like, it's one of my favorite things. Hey! You know, that that kind of thing. Uh, if you're on the moon and you made it a cheese, would you eat yourself? Like, that type of stuff. That's He was doing Harry Carey there. Much better than I was, by the way, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so, that's that's another big name that's important here, is Harry Carey. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, and the- so, let's, uh, what's the... What was the... Uh, that stadium's capacity it was like 52,000 or something like that I yeah because th- at this point too the white Sox suck yeah they're no, they're no good so why not do something i think they said they were averaging 5,000 fans a game at this point yeah, out, of, out of a 52,000 capacity place yeah and I think- so when they were having a meeting before this night for the staff and stuff it's like hey we're thinking we might get up to uh 30,000 if it's good that's what they're thinking, which would be big for them still, because like Andrew just said, they're averaging five thousand, so that's a big upgrade for them. And they were offering a discount. If you, that's very important here, yes. If you brought in a disco record, you only paid ninety eight cents a ticket, and I looked it up, and tickets back then ranged for about three fifty to four dollars, from what I could see. So you bring in your record, you pay your ninety eight cents, you get a ticket, they put it in a bin, because they're gonna blow it up. They're literally yeah. going to blow it up with pyrotechnics. I think they're basically in today's language, and I haven't put this in the in the inflation machine, but it'd be like if a ticket was like 25 bucks, but if you brought in a record, you only had to pay five bucks, basically. Yeah. it It's a heck of a discount. Doesn't work out good. <laughs> no, no. So again, they're expecting, hey, we might get like 30,000, 40,000 tops, but this thing takes off. Andrew, oh, and the estimations for how many people showed up ranges anywhere from 55 to 75,000 people show up at this thing. Well, the point being, well over capacity for what this building is supposed to hold. There's people trying to get in, jump over fences, everything possible. Because once again, 
not the, I don't know, like in social media perspectives. Okay. You get your little event thing on Facebook. Are you going? Yes, no, or maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And everybody types maybe when we know you just mean no. Just say no. Yeah. It's fine. But back then, they really didn't anticipate how many people really hated disco or just were like, hey, it's summertime. I'm looking to do something fun. Yeah. Let's go get crazy. And it's started- you also, you also oh. got to think too that, like I was talking about earlier, uh, it's going to be mainly a younger crowd, like in their 20s. Oh. And it's going to be all these people who, like me, when I was in my 20s, who know what music is supposed to be, according to them. So they have this real hatred for this other popular music. And uh, also, it's a baseball stadium. Guess what they sell at baseball? Beer. Beer. Yeah. That's another good one we got to cover. Is uh, At some point, is uh, yeah. some beer night in Cleveland. <laughs> but this is different. We're talking Disco Demolition. But I think beer played a big part here, too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, well, you figured they didn't. They had more money because they only paid ninety eight cents, yeah. and you know probably stole like their friend that they thought was a dork disco record or some younger yeah. brother, sister or older brother or sister, and they're like, "Hey man, I'm gonna take this and we're gonna go to the game. Let's go, man." So, so at the beginning of this, uh, everybody's quite pleased because this is an incredible turnout. Yeah. Right. Uh, even despite the facts, the problems that it would cause that there's just actually way too many people. Uh, one of the there's this really great uh, I would probably call it a, a mini documentary. It's one ESPN kind of did on this years ago. It's really good because uh, they actually interview a lot of the players and uh, the people that were there back then for this, including the DJ. Uh, very fascinating stuff. But uh, they were talking about how. Uh, there were so many people, and I can't remember. I want to say it was Harry Carey, but I could be wrong. But somebody was talking about the smell. Like, it just smelled <laughs> of just <laughs> marijuana. Just oh, smelled yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I could I could imagine. Yeah, and as a guy whose first experience of that was when I went to a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert when I was a kid. Uh, I had a great time, for the record. <laughs> so... I, didn't, I didn't partake, but I'm pretty sure I partook uh, without knowing it, if you know what I mean. So remember the time uh, I was walking by. This is just recently. I was walking uh, my son to football practice. Yeah. There's like this little like pond and this guy is sitting there. And then all of a sudden he got up real quick and I'm and I sniff and I'm like, oh, that's what he was doing over here. And obviously I said it out loud and my son's like, what? And I was like, he, he was he was smoking weed. He goes, he, he goes, how can you tell? And I go, because I didn't see a pence a pet skunk with him so he had to be doing something. yeah he had to be doing yeah. it so he was like it smells like skunk i was like pretty much so yeah there's a, obviously a certain smell to it but yeah so, i'm not against it uh, i just don't do it myself but that's that's that i don't care if you do for the record hey if you're doing that and you listen to us uh thank you for listening we appreciate yeah, it there you go and maybe it makes <laughs> it, it better yeah, I was gonna say, maybe, <laughs> maybe we're better yeah you improve the experience for everybody doing it that yeah. way but yeah, so they're just uh, it's that was just kind of the uh, maybe we'll get part of the underground dispensary. rock and roll scene there. Maybe we'll get some dispensary to like <laughs> sponsor us. Hey, bring it on, man! Bring it on, uh, sponsor us if you uh, uh, you know in a lot of the United States now it's totally legal. So, uh, but I think it should. Uh, it, it's just a. Uh, it's just that's just part of the what they were talking about. They're just kind of setting a scene for uh, at well, that time. 
uh, marijuana was seen as more of a underground type thing that was look really looked down upon in a way. The whole back then whole reefer madness thing from like yes thirties yes. and the forties. But, so uh, that's that's a part yeah. of it. Uh, but that's that's just kind of setting the scene of uh, just how many people were there. Uh, you know, it's kind of like when I used to do a lot of these comic book conventions when the people were let in. There was a there was a certain smell. <laughs> uh, that's not always pleasant, but that's not everybody. For the record, most of the time it was just fine. But it's there's that does happen. I mean, that's a joke that people say, but it's because there's reasons why people say that joke. Uh, you know, uh, just you not, if you're going to go in public, just uh, take a shower. It's fine. Five minute shower. You're good. Go Don't cold said that to us. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> but as the game is going on, like you said, there's some there's some party and let's just say party. Yeah. And let's also say that I think uh, in one of the little documentaries I watched it made sure to point this out that the disco scene was almost sort of. Uh, seemed to a lot of people like an elitist type yeah. of thing like you had to dress a certain way uh you know you had to be part of a certain group and like for rock and roll what did you need like a t-shirt and, and jeans and you're good to go you know that type of thing so it was there's a big cultural clash here yeah kind of, there's a lot of that no not too much of it now i don't think but you would you would see that i don't know kind of like the goths the punks I guess growing up compared to. Oh, I mean, when me and you were going in high school, uh, there was all kinds of quote unquote groups of different kids. You know, like you had everything from the the golf kids to the preps, the, the preppy yeah. kids. Uh, I was blown away when my sister told me years later she thought I was one of the preppy kids. Uh, that really blew me away because she literally knew how I grew up and how I dressed and such. I wore sweatpants for like 10 years. Uh, so why you would say that about me? I do not know. That is not a preppy way to dress. I promise you. Now it kind of is. Like that's all I see most kids wear. Yeah, my uh, kids I'm, stri- I'm strictly for comfort, baby. That's what I am for. My kids don't wear jeans. My boys each own one pair of jeans, and I'm not lying. And they're broken out for like uh, if they had to do a chorus concert, and that's all you had to do for a chorus concert: wear a pair <laughs> of jeans and a, your your school T-shirt that says chorus uh, or for picture day right <laughs> actually no because why would you it's only half of your body oh that's true yeah it's just from the yeah. torso up yeah yeah so but, you know but, it's i mean that's kind of been since people were a thing yeah <laughs> but it, it's starting to get a little crazy as the first game's going on they're throwing firecrackers and records onto the field they're getting restless uh some of the baseball players that i saw interviewed were like yeah they were literally singing records like at my head as I was trying yeah. to play a baseball game. <laughs> the the Tigers did actually win the uh, first game 4-1. to one, And it was getting so bad during all this stuff that the Tigers starting pitcher refused to warm up. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it was getting. But you got, you got Mr. Dahl. He's riding around and he's wearing army fatigues as you would because, you know, you're, you're, you're going up against this war against Disco. And he's in a Jeep. Yeah, like it's a whole big Sergeant Slaughter DS yeah. taking over yeah. WCW. Sorry for the wrestling references, but that's where we kind of go to when it yeah. comes to everything. So they go to center field and they have all the disco record and it blows up. Boom. Yeah, they put them all in a bin, but there's so many that even the bin's kind of overflowing. And he's like, let's blow this. He's really playing it up too. He's doing. 
And I'm not blaming him for any of this. He's doing what they knew he would do. That's why they got him there uh, and all this stuff. So he's like, yeah, let's do this. And he's really playing it up as he should have. And they, and it's a really huge explosion. It's pretty, it's a pretty decent sized one. So bits of record go everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Some people said it was like 200 feet. And then they're like, most people being realistic were like, it was about 30 feet high. Yeah. Again, that's a wrestling thing. (laughs) (laughs) He jumped 200 feet. It's like 15 feet still high. (laughs) but 200 sounds better than 15 and uh, probably the biggest problem in all of this or one of them actually there's so many one of the biggest problem is when you blow something up it's going to leave a hole especially that much and And not just a hole but there's going to be a mess again of pieces of record and stuff that you're going to have to clean up before you can play the game again because again this is in the middle of the second game right like it's in the it's in the big half what inning is this this is no, it's it, this was a double header, so it's right before the second game. Okay, yes, yeah. So they've already sat through a lot of the again, a lot of these people here to blow up records. That's why they're showing up. They had to sit through one baseball game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say a lot of these people, this may have been like the first time they ever went to a baseball game. <laughs> just guessing, I don't know, I don't know this for a fact. It's just I'm, me assuming. I'm guessing a lot of this was you hear it on the radio, like I said, and it was like, What yeah. can we do tonight? I have a couple of bucks. I'm going to go steal this disco record probably from somebody in my family. Take it. We can get it up and get, and, you know, have a good time and then just go blow up disco records. Yeah. But they blow it up. And this is when craziness ensues. Um, Well, they blow it up and then that DJ kind of leaves the field. And as they're starting to clean it up and they're even warming up for the next game, uh, slowly they start noticing people are coming in off the, uh, off the you know onto the field where they shouldn't be, and uh, more and more of them start running onto the field, and then before they knew it, like it was they were just everywhere. The whole field is just just covered with a sea of people who are just are going wild. And uh, they start lighting stuff in the field on fire. <laughs> Why not? Was it? Just literally think of it really reminded me of because you can see video of this, uh, but it really reminded me of the documentaries about uh, what was a big concert that game? I'm blanking on it. Woodstock. Woodstock. See, yeah. it's the brain, man. It doesn't. Yeah. Work. Yeah. It's, my brain is just filled with a lot of useless Ninja Turtle information and it pushes other stuff out. Uh, but yeah, it's it, so it really reminded me of of that in that like why are you why are you why do you have to have fire here? What's the <laughs> but of course there's fire. Uh, they start they're just damaging everything in sight. One of the people claimed that they saw somebody like take the urinals off the wall, <laughs> stealing second base, the base yep. literally stealing it, literally taking it, stealing it, bats, like anything that was not nailed down. Yeah, and the like the guys who go up and down trying to sell you concessions, uh, they were like, yeah, they would just steal stuff, and there's nothing you could do about it because you're kind of stuck in a sea of people. What are you gonna do? <laughs> it said five to seven thousand or five, yeah, five to seven thousand people rushed the field. That's incredible. Supposedly, Michael Clark Duncan was there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Years old. And during the melee, Duncan slid into third base and had his silver belt buckle stolen. <laughs> and he said he went home with went home with a bat from the dugout. Oh man, I bet it was uh, legally obtained. Yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah. I, uh, one of the other stories I thought was really funny was there's these guys who had they had brought their own alcohol and they were sitting in one of the dugouts. <laughs> that is awesome. When, when one of the general managers or the baseball, I can't remember, somebody on one of on one of the teams came out and said, "Son, hand me that alcohol and get out of here." So they handed him. They go, "Yes, sir." So they handed it to him and uh, they got out of there. But yeah, that. so they 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 literally took over the the whole thing. They took it over. They pleaded everything else. Harry Carey tried to tell people to go to the stands. Bill Vack tried to get people to go back to the stands. Harry, Harry Carey Carey tried to start a song. Yeah, of the, take me out to the to the ball field, which they were singing along with, by the way. But that didn't stop them from what they were doing. They just were like, hey, I'll sing along as I'm catching stuff on fire. <laughs> So what do you do when things get a little out of hand at a baseball stadium? You call in the police and the police shows up with riot gear. That's how bad this got that you yeah. got to call the police and it's just not, you know, normal police. You got to call in riot gear, please. It reminds me of that scene in Elf when, uh, you know, they're like the special police on the horseback show up oh, yeah. and, they make it, <laughs> and they make a big deal about how hardcore these guys are. <laughs> they start going with the, the but they bring in the police and the funny thing was is like oh for the record not the band the police yeah no sting wasn't there yeah and not Which, not the wrestler sting <laughs> we just like went so deep into different references there yeah uh somebody please uh draw that like draw the uh police but the band police in riot gear and one of them being the wrestler sting <laughs> <laughs> of course black and white uh crow paint uh, that's the that's the version i want here uh they bring in the police the police actually do get things settled down and the funny thing i saw that only 39 people were arrested yeah well they couldn't catch a lot of them <laughs> True. If you, you can see video of a lot of police chasing after people and they just weren't going to get them those some of those people were really quick <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so they finally get the, the crowd under control. But at this point, the field, like you can, as you, cause you can see it, the field is just a complete mess. And that's when I really started feeling bad for the people who had to clean this up. Like that is a, not a job that I would wish to have, especially then. This is actually the last American League baseball game to be forfeited. Yeah. Yeah. The that's- field was so bad that they couldn't play the next game the of the doubleheader the second game so the white Sox had to forfeit the game they lost the game because of this yeah i was actually, which i'm sure really just dampered their hopes of winning a championship that year i'm sure because they were so good yeah but yeah it, that's, so that's how bad it was though uh, the 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 field was in such a disarray yeah they said there was divots and and just uh holes everywhere in this field after this and just debris as far as the eye could see oh it it was bad oh yep uh, they were a lot like they definitely that didn't matter they were they ended the season at 73 and 87 so they could have been 74 and 86 if it wasn't for this yes and <laughs> they ended up fifth in the american league west yeah and they could have still ended up fifth if it wasn't for this but so it's just really sad. There's only two other teams worse than the White Sox in that division that year. Was one of the Charlotte Hornets? <laughs> uh, no, I know it's a different sport, but they might as well just put them last in all the sports. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so uh, they probably vowed 
to never do another event again, but like Tom Brady retiring, or they're going to just keep doing it again and again, I'm assuming. Uh, but <laughs> but one of the fascinating things about this is it was kind of a signal of the end of an era here. Yes. Uh, one of the notes, one of the things that I saw was that seemingly overnight, radio stations were like, yeah, we're not we're not doing disco anymore. Uh, we're switching right over to uh, rock and roll because it, it's sort of it was kind of a knockout blow. It was like Mike Tyson knocking out his opponent here and rock and roll was Mike Tyson just knocking him out. And that's pretty wild to me. So in a way, baseball killed the disco star. <laughs> Well, the, you got to think about it. If you're if you're running a radio station, you see that many people show up, and not condoning it, but you see that reaction to something like a like a raid on a tickle me Elmo or a Cabbage Patch Kid. You're like, hmm, yeah. I think we got something here. Yes, and that's how, yes. and that's how it could. That's how pretty much they ultimately killed it. Is it was like a cheap focus. Well, not for the radio stations. It was a cheap focus group. For the White Sox, not so much. Yeah, the White Sox to this day blame the radio station for this. I, the, I, I don't think anybody could have I prepared think for what happened. Honestly, I think it's a mutual agreed. Yeah, it's it's got to be a shared blame. Both are at fault because obviously White Sox were not prepared for this, uh, and I don't think the radio station expected this when they when you really should have uh, if you're going to put on an event, you should really kind of look at every aspect of it, what could happen and be prepared for what could happen. So yeah. uh, that's not what they did. Uh, what they did is what, what happened is what, it's what happened. It's pretty wild. Uh, one of the wildest events to happen uh, on a baseball field that wasn't at all baseball related. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> pretty it incredible. Was, it was, it definitely was awesome. Failed promotion. Just didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. Yes. But it will be ever remembered in sports history and pop culture history as well. Yes. This is one of those events that kind of does both here. Mm-hmm. Transcend, For sure. Transcends both and is in both of those categories. And I think that's that's the story of Disco De- Demolition Night. Very, very, very interesting. Yes. Uh, pretty incredible. Highly recommend. There's a lot of really fun uh, little mini documentaries on YouTube. You can look for this. I encourage you to find the ESPN one just because they interview a lot of the people who were there. And it's really fascinating. It's from a few years ago because uh, I think Harry Carey's interviewed on it. And obviously he's sadly long since passed, but uh, I would watch that one. And if you're looking for a fun one and you want to learn about disco deposition and it's narrated by Bob Odekert, oh, go, I'm check on board out, for this. go check out the drunk history one. And yes. I'll- yes. Yes. That was very <laughs> fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would just check out any drunk history. Honestly, yeah, it's all, that it's is all pretty true. funny. Uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, go check those out. Also, check out our Facebook page, Andrew. What, what's our Facebook page? Uh, the Retroactive Sports Podcast. Go check that out. Got some fun things. Uh, every day is today in sports history, and then also some fun quote questions, appreciation posts for players that. May not be Hall of Famers or people don't really think about on a daily basis, but we like to show them appreciations. With- yeah, they sh- they're Hall of Famers in my heart. Uh, you know, uh, the all hail the King, Jake DeLome, of course. Like I think the last one we did, hockey-wise, was Eddie 
Eddie Belfour. We've done Detlef Shrimp. Yeah. Shrimp. I'm sure I'll, I'll force Andrew to do Muggsy Bogues soon. You just force away. Send me a yeah. message. Uh, Muggsy Bogues is coming soon. Uh, uh, we're going to show appreciation to we've already the 5-3 done Larry point God, I like to say. Uh, that we've guy already, was incredible. We've done Larry Johnson. Got a great response out of Larry Johnson. and Doug. See, Grandma Mom, man. People love Grandma Mom, I'm telling you. It's, uh, but yeah, so go check that out. Andrew does an incredible job with the, our social media, so please make sure you check that out. And I think that is about it. Uh, check us out. I'm actually going to start releasing this is going to be our last friday one just for time consuming but we're going to start releasing on saturday so every other saturday just to kind of help me out with my my editing great way to spend your weekend i think for people to listen to this uh smoke some weed to listen to us (laughs) (laughs) and also i like to think that we're taking over the weekend because like you mentioned the nostalgia funhouse comes out every sunday so we're taking over weekends we yeah. own it. Yeah, Let's just make a weekend it. of us. Yeah, make a weekend with Andrew and Johnny. Yeah. Pull up a cup of coffee or t- and just have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. As I'll long like as it. you're listening. Yeah, that's all I care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and selfishly you... that's all i care oh and make sure if you get the mo- if you get a moment go to wherever you're listening to this on your podcast app and if you got a chance and if you want to uh, give us a give us a review it helps us out and i think with that being said disco is dead it sure is and it's never come back ah 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 disco is dead disco is dead <laughs> <laughs>